So let's pause for a moment and reflect on those readings. May the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. As I said at the beginning of the service, this is not what we were expecting. We are supposed to be celebrating St. George today, an international saint, our patronal saint. Instead, we're not quite back in lockdown, although parts of the country are, but we are in level two, and that means there are restrictions and it makes it difficult for us to be in church. And, well, not all are happy with this. There were protests last week in Whangarei. Their rights are being violated. No one asked them if, they, if we could go back into lockdown, and so out they were, protesting about 60 people. That's certainly one way of understanding these lockdowns and move, moving to level two. Another is to say that out of concern for, well, I have immunocompromised friends and uh, some of you are vulnerable. Uh, and so out of my concern for my friends, uh, my family, for people like you, uh, and also those who have been sick and, uh, and have been left with quite debilitating effects, and if this spreads again, that will happen again. Out of my concern for all of that, I am willing to curtail my life as normal for other people, for their sake, even, even when it's hard. Yesterday I read that the Teropu Whakakopopa Uruta, uh, which is a Māori health group, that it was uh, created uh, as an advisory group around, um, I'm not sure who they advised and who created them, but uh, around this pandemic. Uh, they've criticised a shift in policy that says that all who test positive will not be left at home to self-isolate, but be moved into quarantine facilities. They group's co-leader, Professor Paparangi Reid, uh, said that this was punitive and not mana-enhancing and was racist. Racist because, well, because this outbreak was in South Auckland, it largely only affects Māori and Pacifica people, and they wondered whether it would happen if it hadn't broken out in South Auckland. My hunch is that it would have, and so another way of understanding the shift in policy is that the Ministry of Health has learnt from the experiences of the last time we were in lockdown, and they learnt how hard it is for people at home to quarantine, and they were concerned at how often others in those houses also got sick. And so out of concern for those whānau, for those who they don't want to get sick, who may be immunocompromised, who may be very healthy and suffer debilitating effects. They have offered to uh, look after those people in quarantine facilities at no charge, uh, where they have access to health care whenever they need it, uh, where they get testing without having to go out, and uh, in an effort to keep the rest of the whānau, the rest of the family happy. Uh, not happy, healthy. Uh, and, well, that's... For me, that, that makes a bit of sense. But in each of those cases, there's more than one way of understanding what's happening. And I guess that's life. Uh, in nearly everything in life, uh, there is often more than one way of understanding what's going on, of seeing what's going on. And that's certainly true for today's Gospel reading. It can be read in a number of ways. 
So just to put it back into context, um, Jesus uh, was told off by the Pharisees because he and his disciples weren't washing their hands. So the washing of the hands before eating wasn't a hygiene thing, although it had a hygiene effect. It was a ritual thing. Uh, it was about acknowledging God as creator. And Jesus responds, it's not what goes into the mouth that contaminates a person in God's sight. It's what comes out of the mouth that contaminates a person. In essence, he's saying that keeping the rules for the sake of keeping rules or keeping the rules for, the, for getting a reward is not what those rules really are about. It is the way that God offers people to become people who live in response to the abundant generosity of God. And uh, it's the way in which that abundant generosity is allowed to shape our heart. And so that what we do and what we say then comes out of our heart shaped by this abundant generosity. That's the point of it all. And then Jesus goes into the Gentile area uh, where he's hoping to have a bit of a rest. And but Matthew kind of tells the story in a way that then puts what Jesus has just said to the test. And Jesus is confronted by a Gentile woman who recognizes this Jewish rabbi of renown and uh, courageously pleads for her daughter, nags for her daughter, and keeps pleading and keeps nagging, even when Jesus doesn't respond. The disciples get a little frazzled with this and they tell her to go away, go away, you're just annoying. Uh, but she doesn't. She persists. And so they go to Jesus and they ask him to do something. And Jesus really doesn't respond. He, he kind of says, well, he says, I've been sent only to the lost sheep, to the people of Israel. Well, because he hasn't sent her away, I think the woman then takes her cue. And... Uh, boldly prostrates herself before Jesus and pleads her case. In her unwavering and persistent care for her daughter, she pleads with Jesus to heal her. And Jesus seemingly callously responds, it's not good to take the children's food and toss it to the dogs. On the face of it, well, we could describe that as a little bit racist, really. And even if you're not willing to call it racist, it's a pretty nasty thing to say to somebody who's in as much pain as she is in for her daughter. It is a deeply troubling response. And there are a number of ways that people have understood that response because it is troubling. So the first way is that they, and many see it this way, uh, this is Jesus being fully human. So in the incarnation, we say that Jesus is fully human and fully divine. And we kind of mix that up often. And that means kind of Jesus is a man, but kind of all knowing like God. In this story, it would appear he's a man and not all knowing and not all compassionate and actually does make mistakes and so this is the humanity of Jesus coming through uh, we can see uh, Jesus as a man who grew up in a very conservative Jewish context and what he is saying is simply 
talking out of how he was brought up, that non-Jews are less than, well, less than human, really. Uh, he called her a dog. And he understands his ministry is to Jews alone, the lost sheep, the house of Israel. And in his context, it's okay to call Gentiles and Samaritans dogs. In this reading, the hero of the story is the Gentile woman. Matthew calls her a Canaanite woman, but Canaanites ceased to exist as a people group hundreds of years before that. So it's not really sure what he meant by that. But anyway, she's a Gentile woman and she calls out Jesus' racism. She resists Jesus' attitude and she reminds him of the lesson of the feeding of the 5,000, that God's abundance God's abundant being is more than enough for all, for Jews and for non-Jews. Even, even her, an unclean Gentile. Now, in this story, in this way of reading it, the woman becomes the teacher and she teaches the teacher. It's an extraordinary story. But it's not the only way of understanding that story, because there are many others who have lived their lives within racist structures, suffering, suffering under racist attitudes and abuse all their lives. And for them, it is just untenable to have a Jesus who appears to be racist, who says racist things and treats people as poorly as Jesus seems to be doing in the story. It's untenable. And so... Uh, these people read this as Jesus simply stating what the disciples are thinking. He is exposing their racist thinking. And he is allowing, well, inviting, allowing the Gentile woman to do what he knows she would do. She will resist and she will call them out. She will remind them of God's abundant generosity to all. She will remind them of what Jesus has just said. That is actually not whether you obey the rules that make someone's uh, contaminated or not in God's sight. It's what goes on in a person's heart. And her heart is, well, her heart is, is full of courage and persistence and care for her daughter. And that makes her acceptable in God's sight. And then we have a third way of reading the story, and you may have heard this one as well, uh, as people who really don't like what Jesus say, says, and so they say that Jesus is simply testing her faith. i got to say, of the, of the three ways of reading the story, this is the one that I struggle with the most, because given her need, and given Jesus doesn't do this to any other person in need, male or female, Jew or Gentile, it seems what a pastorally uncaring response to someone with the depth of need and pain that she is expressing. And so, well, but that is a way that many people understand it. Three ways of understanding the story. And lots of people understand it in each of those three ways. Whatever way we read this, I think we are offered a picture of an incredibly courageous, unwavering, persistent woman whose 
care for her daughter led her to have a persistent and unwavering trust that Jesus could cure her, but also gave her the courage to confront Jesus and to remind him and his and or his disciples both the story of the feeding of the 5,000 plus and what Jesus had just talked about. So I wonder what this woman offers us as we enter another round of level two. This courageous, unwavering, persistent woman. I want to finish with a few comments about the psalm, Psalm 67, which uh, wasn't actually the psalm set down for today. Um, but I chose to use it because it's all about God's blessing. God's gracious activity. And one of the things the psalm reminds us is that God's blessing is always sheer gift. And it's always done in abundance. Sometimes uh, when I'm pronouncing the blessing, one could be a little confused and to think that I am the one bestowing the blessing. But in fact, all I am doing when I say the words of blessing, as I will at the end of the service, is... I am simply using those words to remind people that we are already blessed by God, that we are held in abundant blessing, and that we are invited to allow that abundant blessing to shape who we are so that we might live out that abundant blessing. For the writers of the psalm, Israel was saved and blessed so that through them, God's abundant blessing could be given to all of creation. And as we recite the psalm, we are reminded that uh, we are invited also to know that we are saved and blessed so that through us, God's abundant blessing could be given to all creation. For some of us, level two is not going to be a big deal. In fact, for some, it's going to be well, a little bit of respite, really. Life's been busy, and to just kind of drop back a cog and uh, do online churches and not have to visit. And uh, I mean, it brings its own stresses, but there's, um, for some people, being in level two is a bit of a rest. But I know that some of you will find this time hard uh, with worry and concern uh, and uh, not being able to see family who are in Auckland, um, having trips away now changed, uh, and things that we were looking forward to, like our St. George's celebration, now postponed until, well, we're back to level one. Some of us will struggle, and that's fine, because like all of, li all of life, we all engage with and uh, take part in things and understand things and react to things differently. There are a lot of ways we can experience this time. But however you experience this time, I invite you to remember God's abundant blessing for you, for me, for all of us who are part of the service today, for all the people in our city, for our country, for our world. I invite you to take time to allow your heart to be shaped by this abundant blessing. And to know the hope that comes with that. And so that we might join 
that courageous, unwavering, persistent, nagging Canaanite woman in living out that blessing for others. May we know God's abundant blessing and be a source of abundant blessing to all we meet during this time. So take a moment, uh, either talking to those around you or uh, on your own, to consider how these two stories, the story of uh, from our gospel and the psalm, uh, what are the gifts of these for you as we live through level two again?